0: Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick. During this edition, we're featuring segments from interviews with several faith and liberty leaders. Let's begin with comments from Attorney Kelly Shackelford. Mr. Shackelford is the president of the First Liberty Institute. The nonprofit organization is based in Plano, Texas. Shortly before the pandemic, we caught up with Mr. Shackelford at a Will County GOP meeting in Joliet. He praised President Trump and his administration for working to protect and promote religious freedom. And Mr. Shackelford commended the president for choosing conservatives. To fill the federal judiciary. But it should be noted that this interview was conducted before the Supreme Court gave a resounding victory to the LGBT movement in the workplace. Justice Neil Gorsuch, who was nominated for the High Court by President Trump and confirmed by the Republican controlled Senate, wrote the 6 3 majority opinion that is expected to lead to countless lawsuits against businesses, churches, and Christian schools. The ruling is also expected to give Democrats more ammunition in their fight to pass the Anti-Christian Equality Act in the U.S. Senate. Attorney Kelly Shackelford with the First Liberty Institute.
1: I've been doing religious freedom work for over 30 years, and nobody has ever done anything like what this administration has done in almost every department. The list is so long of the things that have happened, the, the laws that have been changed, the regulations that have been changed, the positions taken by the lawyers for the Justice Department under the administration. I mean, if I started talking about them, I couldn't finish in an hour. It really is breathtaking what has been done. And I'll just give an example. I was in the Oval Office with the president when he signed uh, and actually made a statement about his new guidelines for religious freedom in the public schools. Two of our clients were there, including a young 13-year-old girl uh, who was actually told by a principal after she and some others prayed for a, for a friend of theirs who had actually been hurt in an accident. They got together and prayed in their free time at the lunch cafeteria. The principal came up to them and said, don't you ever do that again. Okay, That's the kind of thing that was being highlighted that day. And the president was saying, look, we have these guidelines on religious freedom that were put in place under Clinton, under Bush but they were supposed to be updated every two years. They hadn't been updated in 15 years. So there were all these Supreme Court cases and protections that were not even being communicated to the school districts. And that's a simple thing to do, but it affects a lot of lives, and he did that. He On the same day, they announced uh, from the Office of Management and Budget that no longer would states get federal money of any sort if they were engaging in religious discrimination against religious institutions because that's happening in a number of states. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. I'm just starting. It really is incredible what this administration has done. Whether that's because he made a commitment when he ran and he's just trying to fulfill a, 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 a promise, whether that's something he cares about deeply, I don't know. I don't get into the politics or politicians. We just look at what is happening on religious freedom. And it really is. You know, you can go to firstliberty.org, our website. You can see a list of a number of these things. but To catalog it would be a very thick catalog of every department from HHS to Department of Labor to the Justice Department to a whole new division created in the Justice Department just for religious freedom protection that goes through all the agencies of the government and making sure that those things are being protected. It really is an incredible thing that's happened and I hope whoever is in the next administration uh, whenever President Trump leaves, whether that's in a year or five years. I hope they will continue these things because this is religious freedom for all Americans. 2020 election,
0: in terms of religious freedom, just how important is the vote November 2020?
1: For me, probably the biggest part of the election is the selection of judges. Uh, We've been working really hard to try to make sure that there are really good judges being put on these federal bench seats for life, all the way from the Supreme Court down. And what's been happening under this administration has been very different than we've ever seen before. Not a lot of politics. In other words, it used to be, "Hey, I'm your friend as the president, and my brother's a lawyer, so why don't you put him on a bench?" That's not what's happening this time. It's we are finding the people with the most solid judicial philosophy, brilliant, young. I mean, even liberal, conservative. They've all said this is these are the highest credentials of any judges ever put on the bench, and their judicial philosophy is impeccable. And we are literally changing the future of the courts. And we're seeing decisions already moving back to those founding principles as a result of that. That is what would be a huge change if you if you change the courts from the direction we're going now. Which I think we probably set the next ten to fifteen years of the courts by the people we've just gotten on the courts. It could be another ten to fifteen in the next administration if they continue to go in this direction. So to me, that's the most important thing because that affects all kinds of different issues, and plus. The courts had been taking issues out of the hands of the people that really were not constitutional issues and I think we're going to see the court moving away from that and saying if it's in the Constitution we're going to protect it fully, but if it's not, it's up to the people. A couple bills in the Illinois
0: legislature that would one, require the HPV vaccine for students and another would remove religious exemptions for immunizations. What are your thoughts?
1: Religious freedom is always protected, and exemptions and accommodating people with different faiths has always been very important in our history. It goes back to the founding, there's numerous federal and state statutes that we've always had in place because there might be a particular group that doesn't believe in something that's different, and we want to accommodate them if we can. So in the immunization or the health and safety type areas. I'll point out first that religious freedom is protected, but health and safety is the one thing that can trump religious freedom. I mean, if somebody said, my faith says I need to sacrifice my child, that wouldn't be allowed uh, for health and safety reasons. And so with the immunizations, you'd have to look at what exactly are they talking about? Is there a real health and safety issue from that discrete religious group not getting protection? That would be a pretty rare circumstance because a lot of times the people that have objections to immunizations are from, it's not a huge percentage of the population. It wouldn't cause some sort of health issue. You have to look at each of those individually. And if, as long as there's not a danger to the public health, real danger, not, not a theoretical danger, then religious freedom is respected and protected under our, our traditions and our history in the country. First Liberty Institute, how do you find out more? Just go to first, just spell it out, firstliberty.org, and I'd encourage people to go down, sign up for the weekly alert because there's cases every week, and they'll never know what's happening if they don't. Thank you very much. God bless. Thank you.
0: Attorney Kelly Shackelford with the First Liberty Institute. Now let's turn our attention toward the abortion issue. While states surrounding Illinois have more restrictions on abortion, the land of Lincoln is an abortion destination, thanks in part to taxpayer-funded abortions, and because of an extreme pro-abortion law that denies rights to unborn babies. John Stone Street with the Colson Center weighed in during a stop at Olivet Nazarene University. Where are we headed?
2: Oh well, we're headed at that Roe v. Wade's back in play, but I think uh, many people think that what that means is is that Roe will be overturned and then abortion will go from being legal to being illegal. But no, it won't. It'll go back to before Roe. Roe won't be overturned. It'll be gutted. That's their best case scenario. And what that means is is that it'll go back to the states. And it already is. The reason that Illinois is doing what it's doing is the same reason that Alabama is doing what it's doing and New York did what it did and, and Mississippi and Ohio and so on is that on one side you have those that are trying to pass the laws that will be the subject of the case that will gut or overturn Roe. On the other side, you have people really thinking that Roe's in play and therefore kind of securing the rights that they want. So you have states basically locking down, which means the pro-life movement's just begun. So right now, your job in Illinois is that abortion becomes illegal, and you're going to have to now work at a state level, not just a federal level, and even a more localized level, and you need common sense restrictions and all kinds of other things. But it's no more settled in Illinois today than it was when Roe was settled in 1973. Abortion's not settled. It's never been settled. And you don't want abortion just to be illegal. You want it to be unthinkable. So you work to change hearts and minds. You work to care for women. You work to care for men. And you do what you need to do, uh, and you legally look, work to kind of find restrictions and, and pass legislation. And you keep at it because the battle has just begun. It's not over. I think a lot of people are seeing that it's back in play going, well, it's coming to an end. No, it's not coming to an end. It's just beginning. It's just the focus of the battle has moved. John Stone Street with the Colson Center. The Breakpoint commentator is also the co-author
0: of A Practical Guide to Culture. Speaking of culture, during the second half of Spotlight, Dr. Del Tackett discusses how Christians should respond to our cultural storm. Also, attorney and historian David Shistokas raises concerns about a pandemic-related threat to our liberty. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This
2: idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Do you
1: believe that you need an insurance company or do you believe that God will provide your needs? And there are
3: people that you've never met before who are gonna pray for you and meet your needs. There's another way.
0: Looking for a new direction for your healthcare? Visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. During the second half of the program, Dr. Del Tackett says Christians must be united in their response to culture. Dr. Tackett is author of The Truth Project and is Genesis History. He was the featured speaker at the 2015 Illinois Family Institute Worldview Conference. We all know we're living in a cultural storm. Where does that leave Christians?
3: Well, it leaves us in a in a difficult situation because when the culture around you begins to deny that there is any absolute truth, and uh, Christianity is fundamentally founded upon the notion of truth and love, well, what kind of a message do we give to people if they don't accept that there's any truth. So this is a very difficult situation that the enemy is put in. in. Uh, I don't think it's without hope, but we have to recognize this is a tough row to hoe. Well, how do we hoe that row? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my response is not going to be one that a lot of people like, but I am convinced that the only way that we're really going to be able to convince people that there is a truth is that we have to begin to engage them in a deep relationship, which means uh, we're not going to be able to have a silver bullet that we can fire, you know, across the crowd, and now everybody falls to their knees and says, "Oh, thank you very much." It's going to be the the call is going to be for the body of Christ. Everybody, not just the professional ministry guys up there, not the pastor and so forth. I mean, they have their role and their responsibility. But it is the common man and woman in the body of Christ to begin the process of engaging people and engaging them in a relationship, in a deep relationship, such that at some point they begin to express and talk about what is true. That I think is the only the only way out that I know of. First of all, we have a relationship with Christ. I'm talking about building a relationship with people in which we have the opportunity to express truth because we live in a culture of skeptics. Right, I mean all around us. Oh, you see the advertisements all the time that say, "Hey, if you buy these jeans, everybody in the world's going to look at you." They buy the jeans, Nobody looks at them. And so they realize that they live in a world that they believe is filled with salesmen. Everybody's a salesman. Everybody trying to enhance their script by trying to sell you something. Well, that's a difficult world, and that's why you have to build a relationship with people in order to build that trust. It's a long-term deal. It's not an overnight deal. We didn't get into this overnight, and we won't get out of it overnight. In Illinois,
0: this cultural storm is ramped up even more, and we're even faced now with
3: taxpayer-funded abortions. How do we deal with that? Yeah. These are the kind of times uh, where people have to stand, even if it's going to hurt them. And, and it's possible that you know the believers, the people who are in the state of Illinois, uh, have to come together and make an appeal to the state that says, look, we can't fund these the things that we think are immoral and so if you'll give us I don't know I'm I'm making something up here you give us an opportunity here give us another way make the appeal to the authorities help them understand but it has to be done uh, I think at that standpoint it has to be done from the weight of a lot of people that's why we have you know we have to have this unity uh, in the body of Christ and basically we're not unified we're all individuals
0: Dr. Del Tackett speaking with the Illinois Family Institute at a National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. His new series is The Engagement Project. Next up, David Shostokas. Mr. Shostokas is an author, constitutional expert, and one of the attorneys working on behalf of churches who contend their constitutional rights have been violated by Governor Pritzker's lockdown orders. As America celebrates independence, Mr. Shistoka says legislation introduced in the U.S. House is a threat to our liberty. David, H.R. 6666, the Trace Act, has been introduced in the Democratic-controlled U.S. House. It allocates federal tax dollars, our money, for contact tracing. Seems like a good thing during the pandemic. Or should freedom-loving Americans be concerned?
4: Certainly they should be concerned, uh, Monty, uh, for a number of reasons. There's any number of things that we've done in the past in response to crises that uh, seemed like a good uh, good idea at the time that have uh, not weathered well over the time. Certainly the um, foreign... Intelligence Surveillance Act and the Fisk Court, we've just seen how that's been abused uh, recently in terms of the uh, spying on uh, the uh, Trump campaign, uh, the uh, misuse of those, uh, those vast, uh, vast abilities of the uh, federal government to look into people's lives, how it's been misused for political purposes, which supposedly it was sold to the American people was for their safety. So any time you hand over the ability of uh, the government to conduct surveillance of its citizens is a dangerous, dangerous thing. There should not be a knee-jerk reaction to any kind of crisis by expanding government power. There certainly should be. uh, In fact, uh, it it does make sense uh, to uh, be able to inform people that they've been exposed to and have the opportunity to – Submit to treatment for uh, particular diseases, but there's no reason for a federal response. There's no reason for giving that power to the federal government. It should be our local friends, neighbors. We should cooperate. All this has to do with personal responsibility and responsibility ourselves to our communities.
0: Sounds like more neighbors spying on neighbors.
4: That's exactly what the TRACE Act can be used as an excuse for. It can be used as an excuse for neighbors spying on neighbors. Uh, and it's um, not uh, it's not wise the way it's the way it's drafted, nor is it wise just to turn loose a hundred billion dollars for that purpose.
0: Wow David Americans will be celebrating Independence Day in the spirit of liberty. Should we be resisting the pandemic new normal?
4: Oh absolutely we should be resisting the pandemic new new normal and in fact we should be uh, working to restore our freedoms. But when we talk about the uh, resisting the new normal, I don't know that that's uh, near as important as making sure that we act responsible towards one another, but not give up our liberty and our freedoms to the government. When we talk about Independence Day, one of the most important things is, of course, the issuance of the Declaration of Independence. One of the things about the Declaration of Independence was it set this nation apart from any other nation as being, in char- as being governed by the rule of law as opposed to the rule of men. And that goes to the country assuming it's place among the nations of the world, according to the laws of nature and of nature's God. And that puts the presumption and the legitimacy of the country on the plane of it, that there is a law greater than men. There is a law that has to be larger than men because if there is no law larger than men, then in fact, we have the rule of man and not the rule of law. And so bringing that full circle it becomes important to hold our government accountable to the basic legitimacy of our founding, and that is the law of nature and of nature's God.
0: We've kind of touched on it, but what should we be doing to protect and further our freedom, especially now?
4: Especially now, what we should be doing is contesting and making sure that uh, when people interfere with our freedom that they have what would be a compelling and important reason and that they do that in the least restrictive manner possible and that when Uh, the when a threat goes away so do the restrictions one of some of the things that we've done and mistakenly in the past is we've responded to a threat by giving up some of our Liberty by allowing some exchanging some Liberty for some security and then all of a sudden we don't do anything to grab that Liberty back after it's been taken after we've allowed it to go away for a short period of time to deal with a particular instance we don't do anything to claw it back so one of the things we need to do is not let it go as little as possible to begin with, and then when the crisis is over, claw it back.
0: And the freedom that we're fighting for now during this pandemic.
4: We could tie in our pandemic, the freedoms that we're trying to protect uh, during the course of this pandemic. It's obviously important to protect everyone's life as best we can, and we have to act responsibly across the board. And that's part of having having freedom also has responsibility. And exercising your freedoms responsibly is something that we also need to remember. And
0: I would suggest that uh, maybe before you cast your vote in November, you become a, an informed voter and you know where the candidates stand on the issue of life and liberty.
4: On life, liberty, liberty pursuit of happiness. You know, what? one of the things you can do is ask a candidate if they subscribe to that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that governments are instituted among men to secure those rights, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Ask the candidate if they can say that, and ask the candidate if they can believe, if they in fact believe that, that in fact government is there to secure our rights. It's not there to give us handouts. It's not there to do other things. It's there to secure and give us the ability to exercise our rights. That's a good question for a candidate.
0: Yes, it is. Thank you so much, David. Our listeners need to read your book, Constitutional Soundbites. Where can they get it?
4: They can get constitutional soundbites on Amazon, uh, and uh, they can also find creating the Declaration of Independence there, which uh, talks about those 55 words that start with "We hold these truths to be self-evident," and that uh, the message of creating the Declaration of Independence is, in fact, this is what defines us as Americans. Everybody says who we are, asks the question so often. Well, there says that's not who we are as Americans. The answer is right there. Thomas Jefferson answered it on the first day. It would be interesting to find out how he came up with that answer.
0: And we talk a lot about the Constitution, but we forget about the Declaration.
4: And that's what the Fourth of July and Independence Day is about, is about the Declaration of Independence.
0: All right. Thank you so much. Attorney David Shastokis, the author of Constitutional Soundbites and Creating the Declaration of Independence. Attorney David Shastokis. As we celebrate independence and liberty, a reminder about voting. It won't be long before early voting is here for the November election. We're encouraging the election of candidates who support life, faith, freedom, and policies that will keep America strong and a beacon of hope for the world. But it's vital that you, as well as family and friends who share your values, are registered to vote. IFI has made it easy to do so go to the IllinoisFamily.org homepage and click the Register to Vote button. Then follow the instructions. And please invest in the ongoing work of the Illinois Family Institute. All donations are tax-deductible. Tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. Stay safe, active, and God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.